Good evening, America. Welcome to Good evening, America. Welcome to uh, Restoring Your Republic, brought to you by Republic for United States of America. dot org. Who are the dark masters? Are they at work right now in America and in the modern world? How do they get in? And are they even affecting you, your life, or the people in your life? This is Jonathan Kahn. The Return of the Gods reveals the mystery of the ancient gods or spirits that have returned to the modern world and that are affecting us right now. We can even identify the actual gods or principalities. One of them is called Baal or Baal. But in Hebrew, Baal means master or possessor, also means lord or owner. Now, the promise uh, that was in the, in the spiritual realm of America in the 1960s was that if you just turn away from these old traditional ways, these old values, you'll have freedom, you'll have liberation. That's what the gods always promise, freedom, liberation. But how strange. America is more bound now, more in bondage now, more driven now, more addicted now. It, the level of, of happiness, for instance, in women has only declined and declined and declined. We haven't received freedom or liberation. We've received bondage. Why? The mystery is an ancient one. See, that name, Baal, which means master. In other words, that which masters you. And Baal was not just, in the Bible, it doesn't just say Baal. It wasn't just one Baal. The Hebrew word was Baalim, not just Baal, but also Baalim which means many bales. You see, there were many bales, not just one, all over. Different towns had different bales. Different places had different bales. Different homes had different bales. Bales of different things, you know, which means lords or masters. You know, Lord, the word Lord of the Flies comes from this. You know, these things are all from the ancient mystery. It means it wasn't just one form of bale, but many. So not just one master, but many masters, many owners, many possessors. Bale Baal kind of uh, mutates himself. So when you turn away from God, as America did, you turn to Baal. You turn to the Baalim. So now you turn to the lords. You turn to the dark masters. It could be money that's mastered you or alcohol or drugs that has mastered you or sex that's mastered you or, or the Internet or pornography or the self or ideologies or, or, a, or success or comfort, whatever it is. When you turn away from God, something comes in to take its place. And that something will master you. And you see, freedom from God is slavery. It's Baal. Freedom from Baal is God, and that's freedom. And you know, this, the gods, what they do is they take you away from your purpose. That's how they destroy. It's not just bondage. It ends with destruction. Think when you take all these bondages and you take them to their conclusion, it ends with destruction. And that is what has happened to America. We are now ruled by the Baalim the master. This is just a taste of the mystery revealed in the latest book that I've written, The Return of the God, which reveals everything and why, not only what's happening, but why it's happening. The Return of the Gods is everywhere, wherever there are books for you and for those in your life who need to know. And this is what we're going to be giving taste of. The ancient mystery, next time, the ancient mystery that lies behind your own computer. Please subscribe. So you don't miss it.
Well, there, America, that was uh, Jonathan Kahn is talking about who is the dark masters here in the world today. And tonight uh, we want to illuminate um, our Father God, Jesus Christ, here on this show, um, that the Republic, we're standing in a biblical law form here in America, and we're holding the seats for all of you Americans. Uh, tonight we have Justice Waters that will help uh, shed a little more light on, on that, and also David Hurtler and Representative uh, Mark Binder. Uh, Justice Waters, what do you have for us this evening? Well, thank you, Governor. Hello, America. You know, long ago in a place called Eden, a wonderful thing took place. Man was created. And after that, woman was made from a rib from that man. And the DNA of a human person was created inside Adam. The creator, Yahweh God, told Adam that of all the trees in the garden, you can eat except of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, I want you to notice, it wasn't the tree of good and evil. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is the essence of understanding good and evil. Man was never to have that understanding. Man was to walk and live in and under the presence of the Creator in all peace and joy. When Adam fell asleep, Yahweh God took the rib and created the woman to be a helpmate. Now there was no verse that tells us that Adam ever told Eve about the tree. But we have, in fact, the, that Eve was talking to a serpent about that tree and had a conversation with that serpent. I want you to think about that. What do we know a serpent is? And Eve, standing by a tree, talking with that serpent. And Yahweh, Elohim commanded the man saying, eat of every tree in the garden, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat of it, you shall certainly die. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. But in chapter 3, there's something a little bit different. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field which Yahweh Elohim had made. And he said to the woman, Is it true that Elohim has said, Do not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We are to eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. Elohim has said, Do not eat of it, nor touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall certainly die. For Elohim knows in the days that you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be like Elohim, knowing good and evil. 
And we know the rest of the story. Eve ate and later gave a fruit to her husband, Adam. God told Adam directly not to eat of it. He evidently told Eve because Eve had that conversation with the serpent, and the serpent kind of twisted it. And what did Eve do? She added to the word. God never said you couldn't touch it. He said you couldn't eat it. She told the serpent, we weren't allowed to eat it nor touch it. She added a problem just crept in, and the serpent saw the door open, and he took advantage of it. And he said to Eve, you won't die. Now, the creator, Yahweh, was saying, if you eat of it, you're going to die spiritually. The serpent was saying, if you eat of it, you're not going to die physically. So minor of a thing. I mean, who really minds? But the implication was so huge. It implicated every human being ever born on planet Earth. Now, why am I saying this? God told Adam, and he was responsible. Adam told Eve. But when God met Adam in the garden one day, and they were wearing fig leaves, God wanted to know where Adam was because he'd been hiding. And he said, well, we were naked. And God asked, well, who told you you were naked? And we found out, Elohim found out that Adam had ate after his wife had taken, and sin crept in. And he kicked him out of the garden. Kicked him out forever, planted four huge cherubim, angels. Those are four-faced, four-winged angels, flaming swords, keeping them out. This is what happens when you change the word of God. Down through history, many people have changed the word of God. But I want to tell you something that's very interesting that most people in America never equate to to church and the law, and that's Moses. Moses led the children out of Egypt, out of bondage. They're at Mount Sinai. He's just gotten the law, the Ten Commandments. He's come down. They made a golden calf. And he's getting ready to lead them. And he he gives quotations to each of the 12 tribes. But the problem is there are bickering in the tribes. And there's not enough people to handle the bickering. So the father-in-law of Moses gives him an idea. Why don't you set up judges 
in the tribes to hear the complaints of the people. And so Moses went to each tribe and appointed people to stand in as judges to hear the arguments and the complaints of the people one to another. And the first courts in the world were set up in the wilderness, running in the wilderness from Egypt. Interesting, that was the first republic government on planet Earth instituted by Moses. Here we are in the year 2023. And dating back to 2010, this republic, founded by our founding fathers, was re-inhabited. We did it by law, both international law and law of our own constitution. We did it in such a way to where nobody can dispute it and say it was a new country, a new new constitution. No. We did everything in accordance to the way the founding fathers did it. We re-inhabited George Washington's and Adams and and so forth, all those guys. We re-inhabited their republic. And down through the ages, everything was fine till the Civil War. And they decided they wanted to bring in something different. And in the heat of the night, the quietness, where nobody in the nation knew about it, Congress voted in, and the president at the time signed a document called the Organic Act of 1871 for the District of Columbia. And that 10-square-mile area called D.C. became a nation unto itself, ruled. And over the years, everybody in this country became a citizen of that nation called the United States Corporation. Now, during this period of time, in the early 50s, there was a man in Texas His name was Lyndon B. Johnson. He was a senator, and the churches did not like him in Texas because, well, he was an atheist, and he was calling pastors out, calling them names, and they were putting signs up in their church lawns and so forth saying, vote for the other guy, and it upset him. So he went to the floor of Congress in D.C., And he had a bill passed, and in uh, 1953, was signed into law. It was called the Johnson Act, and it separated the church and the state and every church in America under the heading of a denomination like the United Methodist, then called just the Methodist and the Brethren, or the Presbyterian or the Baptist or whatever, whatever denomination that you were, it all became a 501c3. In other words, limited on what you could say. 
disguised as a corporation that can't be sued. So if little granny falls and slips on the ice and breaks her hip, the lawyers will tell you, well, she can't sue the church, which is a lie, but it's a way for them, the corporate attorney, the barred attorney that works for England, makes money. So we have a separation of church and state. From that point came Madame O'Hara. We've got to take prayer out of school. From there came taking the Bible out. No more Bible reading. I learned to read in first and second grade from the book of Psalms. And in 1963, that ended. Then in 1967, my denomination, the United Methodists, brought in a new organization founded by the board of directors called the RCRC, the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. And in 1973, abortion was legalized, Roe v. Wade. And the church, the 501c3 church, under the guise of rules of the tax code, the IRS, because you see, every church was now a corporate race, a corporation. The pastor was its president. The board of directors was the the uh, uh, if priest, if you were Catholic, or it was the deacons and the elders. Every year, that church held elections. You were a corporation, and you had to have the law that you followed, which was the IRS code. You couldn't teach on the hot topics of the day. Today, that would have been abortion or the gays, lesbians, trans, all that. Today, that church still can't teach that because the 501c3 is still there. It's still in operation. It virtually shuts the church up. Why? Why did all this happen? Because back in the 1800s, somebody looked at the Constitution of the United States and took it before the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court looked at it and said, yes, the founders didn't know what they were talking about. I know they meant to say it this way, and they changed the word of that Constitution. And because of that, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden here in America, we have our problems today because of the very same thing. Now, I'm going to make you a promise. Here is a promise to the people of America from the Republic for the United States. We will never go away from our founders' idea, their government, their constitution, nor their way of life. Our law form is the word of the living God. Our courts 
are from the laws of Yahweh's God. The republic form of government and the biblical constitution, that law form is the very law form of the kingdom of God here on this earth. Our purpose is to establish law and order within the boundaries of the United States. Our purpose of the republic government is to establish peace within the union of states. Our purpose of the republic government is to establish peace and to protect the republic form of government that is guaranteed to each and every state. The purpose of the republic is to keep and allow the Bill of Rights to be used, allowed, and performed every day by every person who is a citizen of the state that they live in. The purpose of the republic is to keep the other forms of government out of the land, out of the people, and out of the elite's hands to unlawfully govern like a democracy or socialism. David, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to, to put your two cents in here, but I know you've got something to say, sir, so I'm going to give you the floor. Thank you, uh, Justice Waters. Um, tremendous presentation. Um, if we go to come alongside of you, if we go to the second great awakening, if you will, you've got to bring Charles Finney in. And Charles Finney, before he passed, probably around 1860, somewhere's in there, he said this. And this is now you got you got to remember that the republic was based on the laws of nature, nature's God, what God created in the 66 books in the canon of Scripture. That was the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, July 4, 1776. And because because they did that, then they had virtue. And because they had virtue, they had liberty. Okay? This is what's missing in America today and all, all across America from Los Angeles to New York. In fact, it's not even being preached in the pulpit. It's not even being taught in the Sunday school class. If you go to Second Peter in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth verse or so, starting off in the first chapter, you're going to find out that you are called to virtue. You are called. You, All you true Christians, all you clergy are called to virtue. Charles Finney, when, when these guys had it all set in place, when the founding fathers was doing it right, Charles Finney said, if there is a decay of conscience but is responsible for it he said if the public press lacks moral discernment the pulpit is responsible for it he said if the church is degenerate and worldly the pulpit is responsible for it he said if the if the if the works if the world loses its interest in christianity the pulpit is responsible for it. But then he said this. He said, if Satan rules in our halls of legislation, 
the pulpit is responsible for it. He said, if our politics, now listen very carefully, America, listen, listen extremely carefully. Set the spoon down, set the fork down. Really listen to what I'm saying. Then he said it this way. He said, if our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. But then he said this. Really put your ear to what you're listening to here. The church must take right ground in regards to politics. And and I shared with you what politics was last week. Politics is the science of government, that part of ethics, moral principles, which consist in the regulation and government of a nation or state for the preservation of its safety, peace, and prosperity. So he says the church must take right ground in regards to policy. Then he said the time has come for Christians to vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. This is why we're coming after the, the worship centers across America from Los Angeles to New York. This You've got to pull out of the 501c3, and you have to be involved in politics. And you have to put God-fearing people in office in all three branches of government in your state. Then, So the time has come for Christians to vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics, or the Lord will curse them. God cannot sustain, he said, then he said, sustain this free and blessed country, which we love and pray for unless the church will take right ground politics are part of religion in such a country as this why would that be because we we started our government in 1776 on july 4th on the laws of nature and nature's god the foundation of our government the founding fathers what they put together was based on Christianity, the 66 books in the canon of Scripture. How can you walk away from that? And Christians must do their duty, Finney said, must do their duty to their country as a part of their duty to God. God will bless, Finney says, God will bless or curse this nation called America, according to the course, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, according to the course Christians take in regards to politics. I'm going to say that again. America, all you clergy, all you true believers, this is the way it was back then. This is the way it was when America was put together in 1776. When the Constitution got caught up, 1787, they wrote it, ratified 1789, 91 or so. They, they brought the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all this stuff. The founding fathers did it the right way. They did it with virtue. They did it with liberty. They were enjoying liberty. God, Finney says, God will bless nation, America, according to the course Christians take in politics. And with that, Justice Waters, I yield the floor back to you, sir. Thank you, David. 
You know, America, the book of Isaiah, chapter 18, gives a perfect description of America in the Bible. I advise you to read that scripture. It's only eight verses, and it won't take you long to read it, but to understand it, you will see that the last piece of information given there is that the Creator sits upon his throne and considers what he's going to do with this nation. It's not up to him. It's up to us, the people, what we want to happen. We can either have peace or we can have utter destruction. But that's the only two choices we have now. And it's up to you, the American people, to choose. God in heaven has given you the choice to choose. I would ask that you choose wisely. If you've got children and grandchildren, some of you even have great-grandchildren, what kind of a nation, if there is one, do you want them raised up in? Do you want them the Soviet style of communism? Or do you want them the early American style where it was freedom and the ability to worship the God in heaven with virtue and truth? Governor, I yield back to you, sir. Thank you, Justice Waters. Uh, Thank you, David Hurtler, for both of your uh, input this evening. It's very enlightening for the American people to understand that our founding fathers used the Holy Bible to write the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence. You know, even uh, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are perished for the lack of knowledge because you reject the knowledge. I also rejected you from being a priest to me since you have forgotten the Torah and Elim and will forget your sons. You know, America, we've taken the time. Dave and Gene Hurtler have written uh, re-inhabited books that is to educate you, to help understand what is the truthful history in America. You can order those books at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, or reinhabitedrepublic.com. Uh, donate to the Republic. Uh, re-inhabited books, uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2, is the story of the re-inhabitation, written by Dave and Jean Hurtler. They donated those books to the American people. Um, and pick up your Bible and, and really understand the Word of God. You know, that's the living Word of our Father God. Uh, my grandfather always told me, as he was a minister, that if you have any concerns or issues in life, just pick up the Bible and you'll find a verse in there that'll give you the answer and the guidance and the discernment that you need. Uh, Gene has written another book. It's uh, James Timothy Turner, and it's American President and Political Prisoner. And it's a legal brief, an appeal to the courts of heaven. Uh, that book also can be ordered at reinhabited.com, uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, read that book. Uh, pray for President Turner. He was the restoration president here for your American Republic. And let's not forget the... Republic for United States of America.org. There has been all these archived radio shows that we've been doing for many years now. You can go there and listen to all of them that have been archived. And go to the uh, Divine Providence. There, there's Monday night prayer calls that you can listen to and, and join. You can, uh, every Monday night, you can go in there and listen to Wade Butler and other uh, patriots and Christian folks talk about 
the word of our God in the direction our republic is taking. Uh, there's interim records there. Also go there. You can read the Declaration of Sovereign Intent, the Proclamation of Claim of Interest. Uh, those documents were served on the world to put the world on notice that the American Republic is here. It's been restored peacefully and lawfully. So America, there's many more tabs there that you can go. There's there's movies there. There's a video of the President Geiger there speaks to you. Um, many documents that uh, America should all understand. Uh, I know um, Representative Binder's on the call. Do you want to add anything to the call this evening, Representative Binder? Absolutely, and thank you for the opportunity, oh, ladies and gentlemen. So we have a battle before us here, good and evil. Um, Justice Waters uh, laid that out. David uh, reinforced it, and so did, uh, so did you, uh, Governor Henning. And I'd like to expound upon that a little bit. I'm going to go to John verse 5 here, um, read a couple of verses here out of that. But who could possibly fight and win this battle except by believing that Jesus is truly the Son of God? And we know that he is because God said so with a, a voice from heaven when Jesus was baptized, and again as he was facing death. Yes, not only at this baptism, but also as he faced death. And the Holy Spirit, forever truthful, says it too. So we have these three witnesses, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the voice from heaven at Christ's baptism, and the voice before he died. And they all say the same thing, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And something to back that up would be Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, and also John 12, verses 27 through 30 will uh, testify to that as well. So going on, go to verse 10. <coughs> Excuse me. All who believe this know in their hearts that it's true. If anyone doesn't believe this, he's actually calling God a liar. Because he doesn't believe what God has said about his son. And I'm going to skip to verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that all the rest of the world around us is under Satan's power and control. In verse 20. And we know that Christ... God's Son has come to help us understand and find the true God. And now we are in God because we are in Jesus Christ, his Son, who is the only true God, and he is eternal life. And ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you have that, you have that figured out, no one can take that away from you. And that's what I have to contribute. I yield. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Binder from Free State, Iowa. Uh, you know, America, there's this, uh, the masters of evil here in the, in the world are trying to keep us all in fear. But, you know, uh, we've read this verse before, but it's Psalms 37, verse 1. Do not inflame yourself with evildoers and do not be envious against workers of perversity, for they soon wither like grass and fade like green herb. So we know that the Bible says that these evildoers are uh, limited here in their time on earth. But America, you know, this call is to educate uh, you and your children and uh, let you know that your republic's here for you. Uh, we're just holding the seats for you. It's not about us. It's about you, the we, the people here in America. Um, but, you know, we open up this board for anybody that has any questions or would like to talk to any, any panel members here this evening. And you dial in to 657-383-0616 and then push 1. And that way you'll come on live on the board and, and share your thoughts. 
uh, with any one of the members here this evening. Uh, we see a few people on the board. Um, I don't see anybody waving their hand. So um, if we don't uh, have any, any questions or any other the panel members, anything else you want to add this evening? If not, then we can just continue on to, uh, I guess, the closing prayer. If uh, Representative Binders, do you want to close us in prayer, please? Yes, sir. I'm ready. Father Yahweh, please hear our prayer. Thank you for being there for us and always ready to teach those who are ready to learn truth and in turn have the understanding of so many supernatural principles taking place before our very eyes. Help us to have deep faith in your plan, mysterious throughout the ages, as we dream big dreams of equal justice throughout our our American Republic, going back to our nation's humble beginnings of liberty free from tyranny, oppression, and slavery of body and spirit. Impress upon us, this nation, uh, the necessity of having uh, law and order for a moral society so your people can have stability in an otherwise chaotic moment in time. We pray for those who are uh, experiencing calamity from fire, weather, anarchy, loss of a loved one, and deception, Father. Send comfort and relief to them in their time of need. You promise to never leave or forsake them as long as they call upon the name of the Lord. And so it shall be. So strengthen us, O Father. Send your healing power to our sick and comfort us as a father does his children. We pray this according to your will and in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua. God save the Republic. God save President James Timothy Turner. God protect President Geiger and President Trump and their families. Amen, and thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you, Justice Waters, David Hurtler, for uh, coming on the show this evening. Um, we're going to end the show this evening a little early, so thank you all for joining us this evening. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security 
will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. We have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. George Bush has invoked a new world order without enunciating a new American purpose. Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order, and instead it looks like we got a lot of disorder. Today we take an essential step in defeating terrorism while protecting the constitutional rights of all Americans. Preventing mass terror will be the responsibilities of presidents far into the future. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. These are not simply words written into aging parchment. They are the foundation of liberty and justice in this country. This is an ideological battle. Some people believe in globalism, others of us believe in national sovereignty. It's a contest between ideologies, whether we believe in our institutions here, our national sovereignty, our constitution, or are we going to further move in the direction of international government? It's just knowledge is out there. If we look for it, you'll realize that our national sovereignty is under threat. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value.